This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports. Dot com part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casazza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, this is the get right edition of our podcast, or are we always right? I I think we're always right. I mean, if you look at hey, if you look at our gambling bets, which is what we were talking about before we got on here, we were we were way right. We doubled our money in week one. Is it time to quit? Let's call it a year. I don't know that people want to hear about gambling or read about it too much. Like it's up to yeah. them. And right now, if they're tuning in, uh, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But like, I'll I'll, I'll weave it in a little bit. We'll we'll, we'll go hybrid. Um, I'm I'm at a dilemma here. Can you help me out? Yeah. I was I was not a big believer in Virginia Tech. Just a lot of smoke in the off season. Too many players leaving. The coach is kind of on wobbly ground. And sometimes I find it hard for those coaches to get it back together. I might be mistaken there. That looked like it was a pretty good. Defensive line, maybe like a throwback Virginia Tech style. All they didn't do was like block a punt or return a kick for a touchdown. But the quarterback seems able, good running backs, great home field advantage. So that it may be back toward normal there. But I had also said once famously, I wouldn't be surprised if they were 0-2 when they came to Morgantown because I didn't expect them to beat UNC. And for whatever reason, I kind of believe in Middle Tennessee State this year. I've circled like a handful of teams that I just think are maybe undervalued or overlooked. Uh, cleaned up on a couple of them so far, <clears throat> Nevada. And Middle Tennessee racked up 50 and looked very efficient in the first game. It's a game that I'm just wondering about right now. Do I stick with my guns? Do I hope I'm right on maybe 50% of my vision, or do I revise everything? Don't know. I'll take advice on that one. And and the big news, of course, Chris, Operation Beach House takes just, just a gut punch. With Randy Edsel... You can't fire me. I quit. No, no, no. We can fire you, sir. <laughs> and I don't know what to do for plus 33 and a half. Did they win one for Randy? Is it for Randy or is it for the new defensive coordinator? And then have you seen the tweet about this is what it looks like when a team quits? The guy who's now the head coach is yelling at his de- defense, trying to get him fired up, breaks the huddle by putting his hand up and says, hey, Huskies on three or whatever. And nobody acknowledges his his, uh, his dap and just walks back out in the field. That guy's in charge now. I have no idea what to do now. I've, I've I've acquired some amount of wealth on UConn football through the years, and I don't know if it's because of Randy. Is it because the water is poisoned? I'm not sure. I, I, I had to revisit my choices here, too. Please, please counsel me. I mean, one, I, I did see that video. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I'll see if I can find, find the link, and I'll retweet it or something here in a few minutes before this uh, podcast goes up. But, two, you said the defensive coordinator, right? Yeah. That's who that is. That's who they put in charge. The guy who's like a, whose team is averaging like allowing 50 points a game over the last several years. You see my problem. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if that's the guy you trust to, to not have to deal with that. So I'm okay with you. I'm going to advise you to continue, um, to continue wagering against UConn. I don't see this suddenly changing. Uh, a quick search real quick. 2019. 128th in scoring defense, 130th in 2018, 122nd in 2017, and on and on we go. Um, I think you're safe to continue betting against UConn, Mike. It's against a Purdue team that I like, too, and mm-hmm. that's going to be offense. And 33 and a half is a big number. I don't know. I'll have to, I, like I said, I need to compose myself. I need to, you know, there's a grieving period, I'm sure. Distraught, I'll get myself together. The same, perhaps, is true of West Virginia. Um, I don't know to what depth we want to go into this actual game on Saturday, except that it's a pretty good cough syrup, I think, to get over what happened Saturday in College Park, Maryland. We've talked a little bit about it. We can talk more about it here, too. I was looking at something, Chris. I was thinking about how this is just in a weird spot in the schedule. Um, It's not. The FCS team, more often than not, has been West Virginia's second opponent. I think since they started playing them again pretty early in the 2000s, so like 2001 to now, 
there's been a couple of off years, but in succession for several years in a row now, only seven times have they played the season opener against an FCS. It's typically been that second week. I can't imagine that isn't by design. Do you like that or not? Would you rather open with the FCS and then play, you know, Alabama in a neutral site or Tennessee in a neutral site or, or at Maryland? And I understand some of those neutral site games, they have to be openers, so you don't have a choice. And to West Virginia's credit, it's been in some of those neutral site games and it's rattled off a couple. But if you had your druthers, would you open up with the FCS or would you see what you have, take your win or your loss, and then kind of fine tune things in the second week against the FCS? First question, and I'm going to bounce it back with a question to you. How good's my team? Because that changes my answer. I think if I know my team is, say, a Big 12 title contender, then I'm opening with a Power 5 team. Mm-hmm. I want to just get it right out of, you know, a non-conference Power 5 team. I want to open it up and let's just go. Let's see what we got. Let my guys get smacked in the mouth and see how they respond. Uh, if my team is younger, if I have question marks, if I need a little bit of uh, a confidence boost before I start playing some some real teams, then I want my FCS game first. All right, what if you're West Virginia and you're, in most years, you're going to make a bowl. You're going to have your outliers where you're going to be, you know, two, three under 500 and you're going to be in the conversation for a spot in the conference championship game. But you're, you're typically going to be between six, seven, eight wins. Uh, I don't want to say traditional West Virginia team, but you get the idea the, the thumbnail sketch of West Virginia which is not contender, but also not sack of potatoes. First or second? Uh, first. Okay. Fair I just, enough. I just, I don't see it. I don't think, unless I had a team that was coming in, and unfortunately you can't, you know, schedule these last minute like that. But unless I had a team coming back where it was just absolutely loaded, like that uh, 2018 team loaded with veterans coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018, I'd, have a tough game to start, and then FCS right after, which I think is what they did, right? Was that when that Virginia – no, that was 17 Virginia Tech. What was 18 schedule? So I know they played Youngstown State because I think Youngstown the, – the Penguins had Pelini in charge and had a bunch of Power 5 transfers, and everyone thought maybe it was going to be a game, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. No, that was Tennessee to start the year. 18 was Tennessee, correct. Tennessee and then Youngstown State. So I, I like that setup if you know you have a great team. I'm with you. Yeah, and again, lucrative on the on the ledger if you play those neutral side games, but also you're on TV. You get a non-conference win against the Power 5. That's good, too. So if you can get it in the bank, you do it. Um, I think this is a weird one because I, I, I wonder if fool's gold is something here, and that's very cliche, I understand, but a couple of things went wrong that are critical for West Virginia. It wasn't a whole lot that went wrong. I'm not sure how much of a, a problem this team will have with turnovers, but when I look at the offensive line, didn't punch a whole lot. I, for one, didn't think they looked great in the passing game, and some of it had to do with the receivers. Evidently, there were receivers wide open I didn't see. Yeah, I wasn't alone there. Um, again, the quarterback issues, there's a couple critical errors that we knew we circled, and they kind of were deflating in that first game. And I wonder if you talk yourself into fixes that maybe aren't real when you bulldoze a team like Long Island. It's tough. I, it, but here's the thing. I don't know what what like what are we going to figure out from this week? I don't think we'll figure out really anything. Like I don't nothing. Like yeah, like nothing at all. And yeah, like I'm being extremely picky here. I want to. I want my team to play them FCS first game this year, second game this year, and I want my FCS opponent to be exclusively FCS kind of playoff caliber, but not too good that we might get upset but not too bad that, you know, we don't learn anything at all. Um, that's a pretty narrow window I'm painting here. I get that. But I think West Virginia did it for a while with James Madison, with Youngstown State, um, Eastern Kentucky, not so much. I know Delaware State was a school that uh, many people said was one of the worst teams to maybe come through uh, Morgantown. So I'm looking for a higher-end FCS team if you can try to pull that off. I get you. You've uh, filled in some blanks already on LIU. You want to mm-hmm. briefly review what we need to know about the Sharks, who they are, where they're from, how the heck they're up from Division Two to the FCS. And then also, was somebody in the West Virginia Athletic Department having drinks with the people at Robert Morris and was just like, you know, we got to get a game in 2020, 2021? <laughs> 
hey, hey, uh, get LIU. They're great. <laughs> it just sounded like a good deal because this is one of the stranger spots in a schedule I've seen. Yeah, this is a weird one. I, I went back and looked because I was, it kept thinking, oh, I don't, I saw that it was marked. What got me started down the rabbit hole was I saw it was marked on one schedule as LIU Brooklyn. And then I saw another one that it was marked as LIU Post. Well, they haven't been called LIU Post in a couple of years. Uh, it, it's a situation where it's Long Island University. And because they couldn't expand the university in Brooklyn, that's where the main campus is. They started, I don't want to call them satellites. Maybe they are satellites, but buying different spots around New York uh, to expand their college. And those different branches became kind of semi, they're separate things, you know, just like how West Virginia has satellite campuses in, in different areas around the state. This was, there was one out at CW Post, um, or well, CW Post is not a land, it was a person, and bought the estate from there, built a college out there, and that branch of LIU had the football team and maybe some other athletics. I don't really know the details on that, but then LIU Brooklyn, Brooklyn had another athletic department, and then a couple years ago, they decided to combine it together, make it one big thing, move to Division One, and that's how we got here. So it's you're going to see LIU Brooklyn, LIU Post, CW Post, CW Post College, um, the LIU Blackbirds, the CW Post Pioneers. It's just LIU Sharks. That's it. Okay. You know who else? And Neil Brown brought up the fact that that Andrew Jackson, uh, AJ Jackson, the defensive line coach, went there, uh, got his first coaching gig there. You know who else went there? In, I guess, infamous is the word. WVU no. lore. No. Okay. You don't. Oh. Oh. Former five-star running back Jason Waltney. That's right. Went, yeah. went to CW Post, Post version of this team. Interesting, and and was good if I remember correctly too. That's one of their strong years. They were a playoff team, um, pretty regularly too. Um, what's up with their coach retiring in June? Well, and not even retiring, just resigning. And I think I saw that he's like a defensive line coach at yeah. um, Stony Brook. So like, I don't know the story behind that. I, the timing's odd. Uh, June is obviously a terrible time to be looking for a new coach. So they named the quarterback coach, uh, Gill, as the the new head coach. Well, remember, they had a, a spring season, so it's him retiring in June is kind of like somebody retiring, or not retiring, but resigning from their post in January or February for a normal season, which, again, is not great, but we have seen before. I'm projecting, but if you're the head coach and you've been there for a long time, and he'd been there for a long, long time, I want to say, I don't shoot, I can't pull it up now. Yeah, 20-some years, yeah, 24 yeah, you just moved up from Division Two to the FCS. You went zero and ten, two and two, pandemic, and you're looking over like, bah, it might be too much. And then you're just like, you know what? I can be a coordinator at a parallel level. Sure, do it. Um, that's that's interesting, and I wonder how good the team is or will be or can be. I don't know. Um, high school football in New York, not great. Um, no, almost all of your athletic endeavors there are on the blacktop between the fence on their hardwood in a gym, something like that. No shortage of athletes, but it's just hard to get in to play football. A.J. Jackson being one. Sean Ryan, actually from Brooklyn, too. So, um, I don't know. It's 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 a tough one. Um, and I don't know what they have as far as facilities and the campus and all that. They've pulled in some transfers, some from junior college, some from bigger schools. But it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting program. And to be honest with you, like I just don't know a whole lot about it, apart from that they were good. And, like you're, again, their origination story is kind of interesting, too. Most famous alumni. It's purely trivial. Are you ready? Go for it. Ozzy Schechtman. First basket in NBA history. Oh, I was like, I was about to feel bad that I didn't know who that was, but uh, okay. That's pretty, pretty uh, kind of a niche there uh, of information. I think so. Yeah. Former Nick, too. So speaking of niche, Nick, whatever. Um, mm hmm. Anything you want to do on personnel or their team or whatever? Do you just want to kind of go over what, what the heck happened to him last week? Uh, I mean, should I pull a, a Neil Brown here? Because usually when, when Neil Brown opens up his press conferences, 
uh, he, he does a recap of the previous game, does offense, defense, special teams of, of his own team, and then transitions to a preview of the upcoming opponent and talks about their offense, defense, and special teams. Um, and you usually get a couple minutes apiece on each of those. I think we got a minute total. Yeah. Kind of naming maybe a player or two in passing. I don't think that was like, you know, him disrespecting them or him not doing his job or anything like that. I think he he realizes that this week is about WVU. It's not truly about the opponent. Um, so I think maybe we should take a kind of a similar approach here. Some things that we can see and look at the stats and a couple guys to know for the other team. But, yeah, spend most of our time focusing on on inner self, Mike. Okay, let's let's go over some just some quick stuff here. FIU, not LIU, FIU, mm-hmm. 594 yards. Passed for 276, ran for 318. On 49 offensive snaps, they had three third downs. <laughs> FIU just housed them, 48-10. It took the foot off the gas. Um, I think just two touchdowns in the second half. One was pretty early. FIU had the ball for 18-55 and scored 48 points. In the first quarter, three-play drive, two-play drive, three-play drive. Start of the second quarter, three-play drive. So, 11 snaps, they scored 28 points. So, <laughs> West Virginia had better be the hot knife on Saturday. Otherwise, you're like, what the heck? Um, and again, how are they going to do it? However they want, probably. I mentioned the rushing and the passing, but Devontae Price, kind of a quick back from FIU, just tore through their defense, and it's not much of a defense there, but did quick work, early work. Five carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns. That's the status of the defense that West Virginia will be facing. Doesn't force third downs because it's giving up three-play touchdown drives. Um, Hand the ball off, get 30 yards of carry. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying those are the expectations, but the expectation is that West Virginia ought not have any trouble on offense. Sometimes that's unfair when you have these FCS teams. And more directly, too, we can get into this. West Virginia may have some things it specifically wants to work on. And that may tamp down your enthusiasm or productivity, but what they do should be one thing. What happens is another. I think what happens should be that they should be productive on offense no matter what. To kind of put this in, you just brought it off a bunch of big-time stats for Florida International. And let's not be confused here on what and who Florida International is because they're not good. Okay, they're they are not good. They went 0 and 5 last season. They ranked 122nd out of 127 teams in yards per game. They ranked 105th out of 127 teams in points per game. Uh, Them scoring was would you say 58, 48 points and doing whatever they wanted on the ground, averaging 10 yards per carry. And their quarterback completing almost 90% of his passes. Mm-hmm. Like that's it, this is a, a horrendous offensive team that did whatever it wanted in route to a blowout. So that should be what's going on with West Virginia on Saturday, too. And again, I think you know the stats, it should would you say hot knife? West Virginia should be the hot knife. Mm-hmm. They should they should be a freaking blowtorch through that butter with that knife. Like, I mean, it should not even be close. And if starters are still in for the third quarter, there's a problem. Unless it's just we want to see what happens with them on that first drive after halftime. I, this this should be a blowout, and it should be, what did they say, Letty Brown, 25 touches? I doubt he gets that because I think he'll get 12 and be done and have 100-some yards as well. It has some pretty cool coaching staff, uh, FIU, by the way. Not that it matters. I forgot about this. Butch Davis is there. Everett Withers is there. Deke Adams is there. Special teams coordinator. Just because Casey Horney. So let's not sleep on FIU too much. It could be a good team. Mike. I'm just running out of LIU things. I'm sorry. <laughs> any any personnel of note for LIU? Any, anybody gets your attention? Any matchup that, I don't know, you want to see unfold? Tackle against and corner against quarterback, uh, baiting someone in for a PPU? Anything? Or we just out of here? No, I think I. I mean, I do think 
I want to see what happens with that quarterback. Not that I think the quarterback's great. I think he only completed like 50% of his touchdowns, but he has some ability. And West Virginia did an okay job with that against Maryland. I think, you know, with contain, I don't think he got, uh, Taco Viola got out too often. Um, he, he did kind of extend plays. So there is a part of me that wants to see just how good they are at keeping contain and, and getting after those kind of mobile quarterbacks. But I, there's nothing in particular like with this team that I want to see a specific matchup. Uh, you know, sometimes these teams have a power five transfer. I know Neil Brown mentioned one guy that was from Penn state and somebody else, but it's just not, there's not a specific one other than that, that I'm really keeping a close eye on you. Well, the receivers, Owen Glasgow, 6'4", 235, he had a pretty good game. And again, I don't know what side he'll line up, but if you're going to throw it to somebody, you're probably going to throw it to him. So let's see what they can do. Can they take him away? Do they even want to do that? Do they play straight up? I don't know. But your quarterback thing's a good point. Can they pressure and contain? Can they rattle him? That's the one drawback, I think, from their defensive line performance was that they got no pressure on the quarterback. I looked at the numbers. When they pressured, Tagovailoa 0 for 2, sacked twice. Um, when they blitzed, 13 for 18 with three drops, two touchdowns. So when they blitzed, they did not get pressure, and they did not get a lot of authentic pressure. So we'll see. That's going to have to be something. This ought to be an offensive line that they can run through and around and over if you want to. So let's see if they can actually get back to what they what they think they should be able to do, which is pressure, you know, stunt, twist, just use your motor against some of these guys and, and, and it'll work too. Because I think those, those linemen put in a full game last week. Will they be better? Probably. Um, but again, West Virginia played a whole game on defense too. They should as well. So, um, well, well they, actually, I take it back. There's one more. One one name I recognize from from recruiting days from a familiar school. Huh? Ben? No. Oh. Tariq Sneed. Oh, okay. Uh, defensive back for them. Um, came from Timber Creek up in New Jersey, which is a school where West Virginia has been very active over the years. I don't think they really have gotten a lot of guys but they've been active there. They've come up to camp. They've come and visited. Uh, that included this guy, Tariq Sneed, who is, I believe he's, he's, well, whatever the COVID year is, junior or senior, depending on how you look at it. But last year in just four games, he had seven pass breakups and two picks and then got two more or another pick again in that blowout against FIU. He seems to be one of those guys that he'll he will kind of contribute and push the opposing team no matter what the score is. So maybe this is an opportunity for those wide receivers to, again, show that, hey, it, let's win these one-on-one matchups out here for whoever is lined up against him. Defensive end Ben Wyboga from Morgantown went to Lackawanna. Was he he might have been tinkering with the walk-on program, I believe. Um, yeah, he was the kid from Morgantown that played, like, safety, I believe, uh, for Dana, committed, and then they kind of had a talk with him about, hey – Maybe it's more of a walk-on instead of a, a scholarship. And then and then he was gone. He was out of the class. Went to Lack. Little yep. Lack life ends up up in the FCS now. And he'll be, uh, again, homecoming for him. I'm not sure how celebrated that'll be. I'm sure he'll have some people in the stands. Um, see how far he has come and gone here, too. Let's, uh, let's go back to Tuesday, if that's okay with you, Chris. Mm-hmm. We always let the game sink in before we... Well, actually, sometimes we don't. We have rapid reactions. We probably could have done a rapid reaction Tuesday afternoon, Bob, because of Neil Brown's post game, it was it, it drew upon military quotes and inspiration. It had some zany one liners that I didn't did understand about. Example: There were only twelve bad plays by our quarterback, which isn't a lot, except that's one out of five. And that's not me saying that. That's what the head coach said. So that was unusual. Some things that maybe people didn't see or agree with, i.e., were the receivers as open against man as it seemed. I saw them getting open against zone. I thought they played a lot more zone Maryland than West Virginia did, but we'll see. I think that that last drive is is kind of also fool's goal because Maryland was not letting West Virginia score. Kept the umbrella open above the defense or the offense there. And then I don't know, just some of the the concessions that the offensive line wasn't physical. But listen, this is who we have. Some concessions that yeah, we probably should have played more people than we did, but this next coming game is a time to do it kind of rounded the base paths touched on everything anything stand out there that we have not devoted time or attention to yet um and why is the quarterback 
I, I, I know the, the quarterback, some of the comments with the quarterback stuff, I don't want to say they bothered me, but it, it, it raised more questions than it gave me answers. Um, the only 12 bad plays, I to me, again, my immediate reaction was only like 12 is good. Like I, I, I don't. And, and it's, some of my reaction here is is sincere. Like I'm it's not me being a smart aleck. Like to me, it seems like 12 is a lot. Maybe it's not, you know, depending, I guess, on how you're grading it, how hard you're grading it. Um, the other one was that the quarterback that he's working with, Beggy, needed to be. I'm, try, I'm trying to quote him when he's the quarterback, the quarterback, because I don't there were times where he didn't say Deggy by name, but he said the quarterback needs to be more consistent. The quarterback needs to um, work on his fundamentals. And that was another thing that caught my attention was, wait, this, this, you're talking about a quarterback that has started for some or all or is some or all. And this is his fifth year as a part time or full time starter at the college level. And you have to work on his fundamentals. Um, I to me that it's like wait that I feel like we should have been working on that four years ago. And if it, if the fundamentals can't be fixed in year five, that's a problem. Um, that raised an eyebrow with me. And again, maybe a quarterbacks coach is like, yeah, got, that's the things you want to you know. This is how you fine tune a great quarterback is fine tuning those fundamentals. I'm not sure, but uh, a couple of, again, this the answers he gave on how and why. And what the problems were, a quarterback raised more questions for me than it gave me answers. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I can remember several years ago when West Virginia lost at UConn and had, I, I want to say, three turnovers in the red zone. And after the game, Bill Stewart said, I thought our red zone offense was great except for the turnovers. But, like, that, I don't, again, I'm not doing this, but what you think I'm doing, but like, there are certain quotes that say, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense because is he on to something? Listen, we got into the red zone and our red zone offense was great, but, but like, he said he only had, he had 12 bad plays. You might say that's not a lot, but it's one out of five. That is a lot. And again, how, what, what's a bad play? Does that mean he, he didn't see somebody, but he completed a pass? Like you went to a guy that was hot. The play wasn't hot. You, you made a harder throw than you should have. You gained seven. You could have gained 20. We don't know that, obviously. But bringing chance in one out of five times, not every one of those five is going to be a permissible, let's say, error like I just described. Some of it's going to be a turnover. Some of it's going to be you made the wrong check. Some of it's going to be, you should have given the ball or you should have taken the ball, like critical stuff. And that's, that's the thing too. And let's not forget, they spent the off season working on the quarterback's fundamentals. Like the lunch should be in the box at some point. And I think that gives you pause about stuff too. Also to Chris, um, when he said the quarterback and not said Daigie, Jared, Jared Daigie, he's clearly insinuating that whomever plays quarterback Saturday has to not make these mistakes. So you're saying that we're going to have a quarterback change. Can I hold you to that? Where the hell did you see that, Mike? <laughs> That's my response to that. Just an all-time great one. And I am not making fun of anybody there. That was just like the look on his face when uh, this, for those listening, this was something else entirely uh, of Mike bringing up something he saw in the game notes about offensive linemen. Uh, was it had, did not miss a single assignment. Um, I believe is what it said. And uh, Bill Brown uh, took offense to that. Then um, I'm, I'm guessing rightfully so. Uh, there with that one but no I don't I we we talked about this already and I know you're joking but we talked about it this is not the game I, I don't think that you can make a quarterback change it's just so much timing with this I mean maybe it works out you make a quarterback change and just let it ride but everybody's going to look great against LIU or they should and if they don't look great then that's a real problem I still like my plan of playing a quarterback not named Daigie early in that game and just seeing it. I, and I'll, I'll say this too. I was, I told you before that we went on, I was talking to a former quarterback about something. And this person asked me about the quarterback situation. And this person was adamant, like, you've got to play green early 
because when else can you get him in against ones, barring an injury or just a boat wreck? And at that point, it may be too late. So let's see what you have. And, and if it's good, don't run from it. Build on it. And if it's bad, at least you know. So, again, say this once you don't know what you don't know. Um, let me take you inside the, the press conference room for a minute. Not just you, Chris, but anybody listening. Some critiques of um, of questions, I think, uh, that we've seen on our board. I think some of them are fair, but I think we can justify some of them. Uh, number one, uh, I don't think he was lashing out at me over that. No, 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 no. <laughs> now, if he's going to lash out at somebody, it's probably a short list, right? But it, it wasn't It wasn't that at all, and he was apologetic about cutting me off, and actually we had a good laugh about it after, so that was okay. Um, I just, I was, I was confused by the idea that his offensive line didn't commit any missed assignments, and I was going to pursue that and, and just say, like, well, I, I don't even know where I was going. I just had a question about the quality of the offensive line play, and he ultimately gave the answer to that a couple of times, too. Uh, number one. Number two. Garrett Green is probably a fair question. You know, I, I I will admit that I probably do have some regret after the game not asking about what I saw on the sideline. And I said that in the postgame podcast, is that, like, you know what, I probably brought, should have brought that up. And, and that's one of those things where you're you're taking notes, you're typing stuff down, you're listening to the questions and answers, you're writing your story in your head, whatever. Sometimes you just miss that stuff. Couldn't you brought it up Tuesday? I think so, but, like, Garrett Green is playing Saturday. So I don't know what quality answer you're going to get. Like, had you thought about playing Garrett Green? He's going to say, well, guess what? Garrett Green's going to play Saturday. Well, no kidding. He's going to play. And then I, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know what people want out of this, too. Does anybody who watches West Virginia right now think that Jared Dagey has 100 yards of rope? No way. And I don't think you're going to see Brown, you know, take his pound of flesh out on his quarterback that he's got to keep literally and figuratively on his feet right now. And I don't think he's going to you know, come send in heat at his quarterback by saying we're playing our backup to see if he can actually supplant our starter. Those things may be unspoken. We all should be smart enough to understand that. But like there, there does come a time if, if, if Daigie does um, have miscues again against Virginia Tech and doesn't come in, then sure. Then you could probably start from the arrows a little bit. But you know, time and place on things, I thought he addressed the quarterback situation Maybe in, in manners with which we don't agree, but I do think he was detailed on some stuff and, and was candid about some of the specific mistakes. Like, for example, you have to move up in the pocket. We're continually giving up edge pressure, Jared. Don't go left or right. And he got himself in trouble on that interception where he said specifically, Neil Brown, that Daigie had to step up and not out. When he stepped out, he was under pressure that he should have been able to avoid. Turnover, that's what happened. So I did think that the criticism was you know, handled carefully, but I do think it was critical. And I just wonder what you're going to get if you ask about Gary Green in that setting. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the asking about what you saw on Saturday, on Tuesday, might have been too late. And I agree that he he didn't. Yeah, I, I think he, he defended him at times, but also the pocket thing really seems to bother him. And I think that's, I mean, that's important because there were multiple plays, one that that interception uh, that that Brown referenced uh, second one, uh, myself and another poster on the message board were talking about it. Uh, the one that it, it it made Wyatt Milam look really bad when it wasn't Milam's fault. Uh, he had a guy, an edge rusher coming up the edge, and Milam kept pushing him up the field and kind of pushed him and then let him go because it's supposed to be, I shoved you downfield. There's nothing back there except Daggy had dropped back 12 yards for some reason. And and it ended up being a sack, and I don't I think that's on Daigie, and that's not on Milam, and that was not the only time that happened. Obviously, the interception, a couple other plays. So I think that that's something that Neil Brown notices, and maybe he's not coming out and publicly saying he's this close to getting yanked, but Daigie got yanked for the mental aspect of it, and for him not really having that composure in the pocket, and everything I just talked about right there everything you just talked about just a second ago, that's composure in the pocket. And and if that's the same reason that Neil Brown pulled him out the last time uh, he was in the game, I feel confident that he's going to pull him again if this keeps up because that, that can't keep happening, and I think Neil Brown knows it. So what do you do on Saturday? Let's say things go as expected. How are you handling this? Have you, have you changed your mind on this, or are we kind of in lockstep that the sooner we green, the better. And let's make sure that he gets quality reps with the ones. He has to get reps with the ones. Has mm-hmm. to. But the pro, it, it, this, it's just this stigma of 
starting and not starting, I think. If if you switch to green, and I believe, you, didn't you say this? If you switch to green as a starter, it's almost like no going back. Yeah. Was it? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that what you said? Something similar to that? Because I don't, I, I it, it's a, a balancing act here for me. Because you can't put green in with the second team. You can't. I mean, you can some, but he has to get at least a couple drives with the first team. Has to. 2014, Dana was going to bench Millard at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Thought about it. In fact, I asked him about it actually after the game. He thought about it but couldn't because they weren't out of it completely. And he just frankly didn't know what he had. Starts Childress. Childress goes wild against Georgia State? Maybe. Southern? Georgia State. Goes wild. Sets the freshman passing record. Tears his peck on the first play of the next game. And I remember the conversation. It was it was going to be difficult to go back to Millard because you'd already popped that balloon. And they ended up going with Trickett. And I think that there was a thought at that time that Trickett just wasn't quite ready because he was new. Um, I can't remember if he had been injured or if he had been recovering, but his body just wasn't where I think he wanted to be. Lo and behold, he comes out and he beats Oklahoma State in his first game. So there, it's an inexact science. I get that. But the point being, sometimes that, that toothpaste is out of the tube, the genie's out of the bottle, whatever you want to say. It's hard to get back in there, too, and, and I think you're at a point, if you're digging your career, if you cede your spot to the redshirt freshman, I think you know the clock's ticking and, and it's it's not going in your favor, too. Can you be ready? Sure. Can you have a heroic moment, i.e. Austin Kendall? Sure. Um, I just think these are hard decisions, too, and and if we're honest, like let's, let's, let's evaluate this. Brown kind of got fortunate his first year where – Kendall kind of reached his end at the time when you could play Daigie and not burn his red shirt. That worked out perfect. And then Daigie kind of reached his end last year in the bowl game. And there's a lot of time after the bowl game to the start of the season. This is different. This is totally different. Um, that, that safety net or that perfect timing does not exist for Brown right now. So you have to be extremely careful. Remember the clamor for a change two years ago. Remember how surprised we were when Daigie just traveled for a road game in the middle of the schedule and we asked about it and, and he said like we just wanted to get him used to it. The implication being that he's probably going to play in a road game before the season is over. He might even be starting one. We want him to get used to traveling the hotel, the meetings, being on the sideline and all that. Um, but again, it just worked out where he could play and not burn a red shirt. And last year again, you can bench him and you start all over in the spring. Understanding Kendall probably wasn't going to be here either. That, that safety net does not exist now, so you've got to be really careful with the two. Pass is not prologue in this situation. Outside of quarterback, give me one thing, the most important thing that you want to see. I mean, I know we've talked about how I don't know how much you can see in this in this matchup, but what is the one thing you need to see on Saturday? I want to see Justin Johnson play. I, it sounds like he's going to or they have to, but someone's going to play running back. Tony Mathis was in green and did practice on Tuesday, I'm told. So that's good. I think that he probably was on track to go last week, but had, from what I understand, was a minor setback. Nothing major, not starting from scratch in the rehab, but just didn't get himself ready. or He wasn't able to get himself ready. Not his fault. These things happen. But I think they heated him up last week, and then something happened. So I think they're hoping they can heat him up and get him ready this week. I'd still play Johnson a lot because you're going to need him. And then I don't know where Sparrow is in the pecking order. He probably is a little bit undercooked, but I think you can get by with getting Matthews or excuse me, getting um, Mathis lathered up a little bit. But I would, if you're going to get some of the wealth of the carries, probably Justin Johnson. Um, so that, that's one. I have many, but that's one that you asked. I'd like to see more rotation on, well, in a lot of places. And, and Neil Brown admitted as much said he needed to see a lot more rotation Um especially on the defensive line. I think we'll see that. I think we saw a couple guys in there. Sean Martin looked good in limited snaps. Jordan Jefferson looked good in limited snaps. Maybe hopefully see Jalen Thornton a little more. A couple other guys, of course, we'll see as the game goes on. Um, Let's see. So the big thing for me is some of these other wide receivers because I think it it really came down to like, what, six, five, just five? Yeah, five. As Dale Ryan, Ford Wheaton, James, and Wright. Um, Reese Smith got seven snaps, it says, and I think all of them came like late. Prather, it says, was on the field for one. I don't even remember that. So they're, they're, that's a position where we've talked about it being deeper. 
we don't know if it has an A receiver, uh, an alpha receiver, but it has a lot of guys on there that that you want to throw out there and see what they can do. And I don't remember them being as open as Neil Brown said, but again, I, I don't have the, the the film and the review and the look of the whole field like he has, or even what they're supposed to run. So we'll, I'll leave it to him to call that one. But would like to see some other guys out there because we did still see some of the problems from last year with with a couple couple drops and then a couple quote unquote drops uh, passes that were not great, but still touched the receiver's hands. And if it touches your hands, you really want to catch it. Um, it's kind of key of being a, a receiver. So. I want to see them run without a tight end. Yeah. Like you're probably going to have to do that against tech. Like you're, you're just going to have to, I mean, O'Loughlin may be ready. I'm not sure how much he's going to give you. But if you're playing TJ Banks and then no one else at tight end, like you don't have a tight end, you can't play 11 personnel the whole game, you're going to have to play 10 personnel against Tech. That's not great. But you're going to have to learn how to do it and how to help your your offensive line in those situations, which means a receiver coming in and, you know, maybe maybe being like almost like an H-back or something like that. I don't know. You're going to have to give your offensive line help without a tight end. And if you can't do that against LIU, you probably should be able to get like almost like scout team reps, except in a, in a live game. Like, how can we run our concepts? You can't run gaps. I get that. But like, how can we run our concepts in 10 personnel? Because they were miserable against that. Five carries, 12 yards, then including the 12-yard run. And it just turned into when Maryland saw Banks come off the field, they were not worried about a run. So can West Virginia either dress it up and do different things? Again, like maybe we go empty, five wide, but maybe we bring – Brown back in and we catch the defense in flux and we can get a, a lane inside. Can we, you know, can we use, I'm trying to think, Sam James as, you know, geez, an H-back? I mean, maybe he's sweeping across and he does what a tight end does in those plays. I don't know, but there's got to be a way to run the ball in 10 personnel because Tech's defense is going to be stout. And if you only have a tight end for half the snaps, you're compromised with other, these other half the snaps. I think that's important, too. They're going to have to find a way to do that. And if not, Saturday didn't win against, against Tech. Good luck. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I, I thought Maryland was uh, hoodwinked by the fact that they thought Michael Laughlin was starting and playing. So I don't that, that know does underscore the point. That does underscore the point that Neil Brown does say that, like, I couldn't tell you the truth because that would mean I would tell Maryland the truth. And the truth is that if we only have one tight end, we're going to get exposed in 10 personnel. Um, again, I, 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 there's no side effects to that for literally anything else you say ever. But I get the point there. Like, there's a secret you want to protect, and it's it's evident that was a secret they had to protect because it did not work out well when Banks wasn't in. I'm with it. I got no disagreement there. You can't if you cannot run if you can only run when certain people or certain packages are on the field, you become wildly predictable, and that's it. Your offense is gonna no matter how good your offense is, you're done. Secret weapon. Hmm. Nick Malone. Got on the field. Play him a tight end. He's not going to catch a pass, but neither is TJ Banks, right? So right. if he's going to, if he can just be an extra offensive lineman who plays a tackle, listen, you're adding another gap. Um, he he got on the field for one snap. He plowed two guys out of the way. Letty Brown scored. It wasn't solely because of Nick Malone. It was largely because it was two yards out, and it was also a good push by everybody. So that's good. The point is that. It, it might create, require some creativity. I don't know. We'll see. Does Nick Malone play any tight end snaps? Probably not, but um, there are ways around it if if you think about it. And I'm not sure it's necessarily Traylon Davis or or um, Wickstrom or Charles Finley, who I guess isn't yet capable. He's still you know probably a little bit too light to do that. But but they either have to find a way to do it with a backup tight end, or they have to find a way around it because it's again I think it's probably ambitious to think that Lockman's going to give you. Lachlan stuff against Virginia Tech. Um, defensively, I get what you're saying on the defensive line. It seems uneven to me to say that the pass rush wasn't good and we kept our best pass rusher on the sideline for all but four snaps. So I would look for Linnell Carr to get in there a little bit more. I think he played almost all defensive end. I don't think he played any bandit. So he may be a defensive end again. Who knows? Secondary is where I, where I struggle. I think Kerry Martin probably should have played a snap on defense, but I'm really okay with Mahone and Adai playing a ton. I thought Scotty Young was okay. So are we just giving them a series off to give them a series off? Maybe. I don't know how big that is, big picture. Talk me into why they have to have some depth on this, especially the back end. I get defensive line. I don't think they're too far. Safety is where I'm, I'm just kind of torn, though. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know if they need it. Like, I mean, if guys are playing well, I don't think there's as big of a need for depth in the at the back end as there is on the defensive line. Uh, I'm not saying I am saying I, I, I absolutely am saying that the defensive linemen are working harder every single play as opposed to the, the safeties. I mean, they're running a little bit more, but they're not fighting through things like the defensive line is. And that's why they rotate that position. Uh, West Virginia's safeties have played like the starting safeties have played like 90% of the snaps each of the last handful of years. I detailed that in my, uh, one of my preview pieces in the countdown that, uh, over the last, uh, in all three years under Neil Brown or the two years under Neil Brown, the starting safeties have played over 95% of the snaps. They just, they just do, they just play it. And I think you don't need that backup as long as they're playing well, but that brings me to that question. Did they play well? Mm, I mean, some spots were... It's it's one game, so I'm yeah. not... Like, even if they played poorly, I'm not saying it's over, it's done. Back into the defense is, is open. It's wide open now. Um, I, I'm just not sure. Again, we talked about this last time. How do you know if they played well or not if you don't know the coverage, what their responsibilities were? But, um, you know, a couple big big pass plays there. And, and nobody in position. And it seemed like from both uh, when they talked during the press conferences on Tuesday with Jordan Leslie and with Neil Brown, where they talked about those two big plays, a couple of the big passing plays that broke deep, the two touchdowns and another one, that there was a miscommunication, that there was a misunderstanding, that there was a miscoverage, a mischeck. And in each of those instances, it was the safety that maybe should have been there based off those comments. So I have to wonder about how that went and, and how you're feeling about, you know, your fifth, sixth year seniors having a miscommunication like that. The concern that would be, did physical, physical fatigue bring about mental fatigue? And that'll mm -hmm. happen. Like sometimes your body's not going to react. You'll see something and be like, I can't do that. Um, why? Cause my legs are dead or why? Cause I'm out of breath. And what was curious or impressive or just serendipitous about that last touchdown was that they went deep on the play before to Porter. And Porter Hustle got back, but Mahone hauled ass to get back there, too, and make sure the play was going to be made. So if it wasn't going to be Porter, it was going to be somebody else. And what did they do in the next snap? They went deep and ran by Mahone. Um, I'm not saying he's gassed. I'm not saying that, you know, he turned the lights off and made a mistake. But, like, sometimes those things happen for a reason beyond, like, just simply not knowing what you're doing. It might have been that he just got crossed up and that back-to-back -back plays went to him. Baylor used to be evil about that. They would just run four verts again and again and again. And when they saw that your corners were tired – they would bring in four fresh receivers and just go deep again. That's why they beat you, you know, over the head sometimes with those deep passes. So sometimes those things happen. Like you're just, you know what's happening, but you're, you just can't connect it. Like something short circuits in between your, what's between your ears and then your legs. And then let me rephrase that. <laughs> something <laughs> short circuits between your brain and your legs and you just can't turn them over as fast enough as you want to. Um, that's unfortunate, but sometimes that's the case too. So maybe that's a depth concern there too. But again, then you're bringing in the fact that you can have a really fresh freshman and he might make all of his mental mistakes that you don't want to. So it's going to be a, a learning process, maybe literal growing pains at times, but you know, you got to figure these things out eventually uh, real quick. Chris will go. Um, most likely person or thing that we're talking about positively, I would assume, or negatively after the game. Well, the conversation pretty much, no matter what, it's going to be about Garrett green, no matter what. So what's what your you? answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my other answer, I think you're I think you're going to see a lot of backup running back. So it, it, this is one of those spots, kind of the conversation we have the, the everybody's favorite players, the backup quarterback uh, or the backup, you know, whoever. I think maybe that might go. Nobody's going to be calling for Letty Brown to, to sit, but people are going to get excited about another back for the pipeline, for the future, for, you know, when Brown needs a rest. Because we saw Brown was the only one that got a carry, was the only running back out there. And so if they get uh, Justin Johnson out there and he gets some reps, gets some good runs. And again, FIU was getting 10 yards a run when they're a terrible offense. So I would think and hope that even a true freshman running back like Justin Johnson is going to pop in with the second team and, and crank out seven, eight yards a run and pick up some big yards and fans will get excited about it. Yep. Easy to pick backups here. I think you could see like a Sean Martin, or maybe like a Lance Dixon just put up some numbers because um, I wonder if Jordan White will play and play a lot. It seemed like they really like him and he didn't play and they got surprised some people 
including offensive linemen. Mm. I watch Sam James. I don't. I just there's something about him I like. Uh, his his press conference on Tuesday was was kind of engaging. Like he's a totally different cat now. Just he's very composed on stuff. He's got you can tell he's got a belief in him. And I don't think he had that for a while. And he kind of admitted as much too. He said he had a setback last year and. He didn't really address it until the offseason, and, and it's confidence, and it's, you know, can I still do what I did before? And um, he, the way he handled that fumble, which was just a good football play, like it's going to happen. He just happened to be the unlucky person. He also combated the idea that he dropped a pass, which ultimately he was right. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but, like, he says that actually wasn't a drop. It got hit by the bullet, and it was short, so I couldn't get it, and PFF didn't give him a drop. And if you watch the replay, he's right. Um, the trajectory totally changes. Could he gotten it short? Um the pass on the goal line is behind him. You know, that's tough, too. So for him to still be in there and come back and make a big play at the end and then be the goal for that post in the end zone, I, I just think that they feel really good about him and he feels really good about himself. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he hit a home run or two because I, I do think they have to go deep. They have to get that at least under their belts. They're not worrying about that anymore. They did it a ton in the offseason. Let's do it in a game. And to go one for six against a good defense, good secondary, that's not enough. But that can't be. Uh, a mobile part of your your stats. It's got to be something you change. You don't want to go one for six every game. So let's get the confidence back up. Let's take some shots of Sam James and let's change the storyline when those knuckleheads come in and ask us questions on Tuesday. So uh, I don't know. I just feel good about Sam James. Who are you calling a knucklehead? Where the hell did I get that from? <laughs> Everybody can stop sending me that gift, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I like end of it i've seen it i promise you it, it's very funny and i'm sure that it'll it'll live on for many games and weeks and years now but you don't have to send it to me anymore oh it, it's being saved and it'll it'll pop up just wait till you see the picture for the uh charity bets i got put together with my excellent photoshop skills yeah. by the way you sent me the gift i was talking to you specifically oh wait no i didn't send you did i twice oh no just to make your point <laughs> We've made our points. We will talk to you after the game on Saturday, 5 p.m. kick Mountaineer Field. Rapid reactions soon thereafter. And then um, up until then, our normal routine of, uh, let's see, we have the charity bets. We'll have buy the numbers. We'll have the fresh set. You'll have your three matchups. And then we'll get into the post game to wrap up LIU pretty darn quickly. And then I would say we'll spend most of our time after the game and then early next week getting ready for Virginia Tech, which, oh, by the way, the biggest game in Neil Brown's career. Yep. Yeah. We'll talk about that next time. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you later.